Go to First Chronicles chapter 11. Amen. First Chronicles chapter 11 verses 13 and 14. And then we're going to read one verse of scripture in 2 Samuel chapter 23. When you found First Chronicles 11, I'm going to ask you to please stand for the reading of God's word. It's not my intent to keep you very long today, but I do want to share with you what I feel, amen, is on my heart today for the people. First Chronicles chapter 11, verse number 13, if you found it, say, amen. amen. He was with David at Pasadena, and there the Philistines were gathered together to battle, where was a parcel of ground full of barley. And the people fled before the Philistines, and they set themselves in the midst of that parcel, and delivered it, and slew the Philistines, and the Lord saved them by a great deliverance. Hallelujah. And the Lord saved them by a great deliverance. Second Samuel chapter 23, verse number 10. Actually, let's, amen, I didn't give Brother Brandon verse number 9, but let me just read verse number 9, and then, amen, we can follow up with verse number 10. I just feel like throwing 9 in there. And after him was Eleazar, the son of Dodo, the Ahuhite, one of the three mighty men with David. And they defied the Philistines that were gathered together to battle, and the men of Israel were gone away. Verse 10. He arose and smote the Philistines until his hand was weary. And his hand clave unto the sword. And the Lord wrought a great victory that day. And the people returned after him only to spoil. Amen. I'm going to ask the gentleman to bless the shofar today. I'm going to ask you to give the Lord the biggest shout of praise you can in this sanctuary. Hallelujah. I was in prayer, in my prayer closet and personal prayer, and I've shared this before, but I feel like sharing it as an introduction this morning. I was in prayer before the Lord a few years back, Sister Lori, and the Lord spoke to me so plain, and he said, my son Jesus is coming back. And I said, Father, I know that he's coming back. He said, no, Jesus is soon to return. How many knows that we are now closer to the return of the Lord than ever before? If we do not see the signs of the times that we need to ask the Lord to give us an anointing like the sons of Issachar to deter, to discern the time and the seasons that we are in. Truly, this world is on a downward spiral. Truly, things are being set up for a one-world government, a one-world currency, and a one-world religion. And things are wrapping up quickly, amen, for the rise of, amen, the beast and the antichrist or the dragon, amen, revelation speaks of, amen. I can go into a whole lot of things, amen. I can go into current events. I can dissect some of those, but I'm not going to to save time. But I want you to take it from me that we are truly on the brink of the catching away of the saints of God. So I'm here to tell you that if you ever held on, hold on now. If you ever, amen, have made up your mind, make it up right now. If you've ever, amen, had the attitude that you won't back up, get that attitude again. Because one thing that the enemy does not like in a believer 
He's really not, amen, afraid when we go to church. He's really not afraid when we, amen, volunteer at VBS, though it's wonderful. He's really not afraid sometimes when we read our devotional in the morning, amen. But he is afraid when we get some endurance about us. He does get fearful when we make up our mind, come hell or high water, we're not going to back up, we're not going to retreat, we're not going to back down, we're not going to give up, we're not going to shake, amen, but we are going to stand on what God has promised. Let every man be a liar, but let God be the truth. You and I can make promises in this world, and we can do our due diligence to make sure that we fulfill the words that we have spoken, but truth in the matter is, we come up short many of times, but the God that we serve declared in Isaiah that his word will not return unto him void. It may not come in the time frame that we want it. It may not come in the avenue that we want it. It may not come through the method that we want it. But rest assured, God always has our best interest in mind and when God decides to move heaven and he decides to move earth and he decides to shift the season there ain't nobody no thing or no demon amen or no currency or no government or no political party that can stop it but God will do what he said he's going to do don't get amen worried I'm not going to get political behind the pulpit but I will tell you that heaven is not shaken by what comes down in Washington. However, God holds Washington in his hands. Oh, help me in this place. I'm trying to lay a foundation, but I feel like running. Because I feel like somebody is getting ready to see some things turn in your life. I feel like somebody's getting ready to see the word of the Lord that's been proclaimed over you. You're getting ready to see it activated. You're getting ready to see it move. You're getting ready to see heaven open up. And you're getting ready to see God perform the impossible. How can you say it? Because God is a God that will keep his word. His arm is not It's not slack concerning his promises. You said that I've been waiting a long time. So have I. I've went through some difficulties waiting. So have I. I'm not very patient. Neither am I. I'm not praying for patience. <laughs> so I don't mind waiting on the Lord. Because I'm not waiting on him. I'm waiting in him. He that waits on the Lord shall renew his strength. I'm not waiting on him to move. I'm waiting in him to move. That means if I've got, I don't mind waiting. If I've got to wait just a little bit, when it comes down my way, it's going to be worth it. I'm telling you that song has been going through my spirit for the last two weeks. Amen. It's going to be worth it when we see him around every corner and up every mountain. I'm not looking for signs or waters for fountains, but I'm desperately seeking that the sight of this face is all that I'm believing for. Look at somebody say, hold on. Because if you'll endure to the end, you're going to be saved. Weeping may endure for the night, Psalms 30 and 5, but joy cometh in the morning. Uh-huh. If I am be not weary in well-doing, for in due season, you're going to reap if you faint not. I've come to prophesy to somebody, this is not the time to faint, but this is the time to stand. This is not the time to back up, but this is the time to get rooted, because God is moving in this hour. Somebody give him a shout of praise. I've not even point one yet. Let me help me, Lord. When we look at the scripture that I read to you, we read into the Chronicles. Amen. Chronicles is the Chronicles of the Kings. It just denotes, amen, the life of the Kings. 
But when you go into 2 Samuel chapter 23, amen, you'll find that David now is on his deathbed. These are the last words of King David. And as King David begins to look over his life, this chapter begins to denote some of the mighty men who stood with him in his time of adversity and in his time of trial. And he talks about some mighty men, but there's one I want to preach on this morning by the name of Eleazar. Somebody say Eleazar. David began to introduce us to this man called Eleazar. Now we understand that when you begin to look at the Hebrew meaning of someone's name, it denotes their character. It kind of gives us a synopsis of who they are. Amen. And what God had, amen, ordained them to be. And when you look at Eleazar, his word in Hebrew just simply means helper. It means strength. It means almighty. It is a word that means to surround, to protect, or to aid. So basically, Eleazar was a man who always had somebody's back. Eleazar was a man who was a helper. He was full of strength. He had might. He always surrounded those that he needed to surround. He always protected those that needed to be protected. And he always came to the aid of those who needed it at the most. He was a came from a man, the, the, the son of Dodo, D-O-D-O. Now I, a man, listened to somebody else say that to make sure that I was right on that. It is Dodo. I said, the God, that's a bird. <laughs> this ain't spiritual, this ain't scripture, this is just math. Could you imagine being the son of a Dodo? <laughs> What family you come from? The dodo family? <laughs> Sometimes I act like a dodo. Amen. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. If you don't believe me, ask Trisha. Hallelujah. Amen. I'm just teasing. Some of us need to laugh this morning. Amen. Dodo in the Hebrew means loving. It is a root word that means a love token or friend. So he comes from a household full of love. He comes from a household that is a love token or a household that is a friend. He is an Ahuhite. You know what this means? It means in the Hebrew, brotherhood or fraternity. Anybody know what a fraternity is? If you've been in college, you probably do. Amen. So he came from a, a man of family and he came from a tribe that was full of brotherhood and fraternity. So knowing that he was named Eleazar to be an aid or to protect or to surround was his nature. It was his character. And when you look into the Chronicles of the Kings in First Chronicles chapter 11, you understand what is going on in this story. Amen. Shane's going to be Eleazar. Amen. You're hired. Hallelujah. But Eleazar was the help. He was Amen. The aid. And according to scripture in 1 Chronicles chapter 11 and 13, the Bible said he was with David at Pasadamian. And while he was at David at Pasadamian, it's a palm of bloodshed according to the Hebrew is what that name means. The Bible said that they were gathered there and the Philistines were gathered against them to battle because there was a parcel of ground Full of barley. What was the enemy after? He was after the ground or the partial that David and Eleazar stood on. This was not just any old partial. The word partial means allotment. Ground means to spread out. It wasn't just any old piece of land that they stood on there. We don't know how big it is. I tried to research this morning how much a partial is, but it varies according to how much partial or allotment is given. So we don't know how big it is. We don't know how small it is. But we do understand according to Scripture that this partial of ground had barley on it. It was full of barley. Why did the enemy want the ground that they stood on? It's because the enemy wanted to put his hands on the harvest. 
Come on, somebody. The devil's not after your marriage. The devil's not after your household. The devil's not after your husband. The devil's not after your wife. The devil's not after your children. The devil's not after your ministry. The devil's not after this church. The devil's after your ground. Come on, I know you're quiet, but you're going to get it in a minute. The devil's after your ground. Because your ground contains your marriage. Your ground contains your children. Your ground contains the anointing and the ministry that is on your life. Your ground contains the promises that God has spoken over you as an individual and over us as a corporate body. And if the enemy can take our ground, then he can take our marriage. If the enemy can take our ground, then he can put his hand on our children. If the enemy can take our ground, then he can try to put his hand on this church and the ministry that Judah Tabernacle has. But I've come to tell somebody this morning through the authority of the Holy Ghost stand your ground hey put your feet in the middle of the Bible said they were in the midst of it they were in the middle of it I'm here to tell somebody you need to stand your ground and tell the devil this is my home these are my children these are my grandchildren this is my church those are my pastors do you hear what I'm saying this is my family that you're trying to take over and you're trying to take under this is my harvest listen I'm not listening you know I'm from the city I do not have a green thumb if I want fresh produce I'll either go to a produce stand or Kroger's actually technically Trisha will go to a produce stand or Kroger's hallelujah I don't grow tomatoes I don't like them but I don't grow tomatoes I don't grow cucumbers I don't know how to grow cabbage but I like to reap the benefits of it so I don't know what it is amen you give me a plant, this is just, amen, maybe something to tell you for in the future. You give me a plant and put it in my house, I can guarantee you it'll probably die. My grandmother, bless her heart, had the anointing of the Holy Ghost on her. That I'm telling you the truth when raised by her that she had plants that looked near death. I mean, they were about ready to die. That people would get her and she would put anointing oil on it. She would pray for it. She would command it to come back to life. And she would doctor that. And then they start they would start budding roses and flowers and blooms and I don't care, amen, what it looked like. She had an abundance of harvest when it came to plants. Here's the thing. I don't plant stuff. So I don't know what it's like to toil. I don't know what it's like to work. I don't know what, what the sweat and, and the tears and the hard work that goes behind it. But a farmer does. But I can tell you as far as my spiritual ground. I know what it's like to plant, Sister Lori. I know what it's like to cry in the midnight hour. I know what it's like to fast. And I know what it's like to be confused looking for understanding. And I know what it's like to stand and say, God, I don't understand why my family is under this attack. I know what it's like to see God bring a harvest on my ground. And I understand what it took, amen, to go through it, to get the result that I got and that you got. I don't understand what it took for you to get your harvest. You don't understand what it took for me to get mine but rest assured the devil didn't plant it the devil didn't water it the devil didn't pull the weeds out of it the devil what amen didn't have to stay up in the midnight hour and pray the devil didn't have to toss and turn and worry and the devil does not have a right to not one inch or centimeter to my harvest do you hear what I'm saying he's come not to, but to steal and to kill and to destroy he don't want to do the work but he wants to reap the benefit but I've come to tell the devil amen you do not have a right to put your hands on my property
preaching. Somebody needs to tell the devil this morning, that's not your harvest, that's mine. Those aren't your babies, they're mine. That's not your spouse, that's mine. That's not your house, it's my house. And as for me and my house, we're not only going to serve the Lord, but we're going to drive you out. Oh, hallelujah. I'm looking for somebody that says, I believe there's a harvest coming up on my ground. Is there anybody that believes that on a Sunday morning? That you're starting to see a harvest come up on your ground. You've worked for it. You've believed for it. You've trusted God for it. And now you're starting to see the results of it. And rest assured, now that you're starting to see breakthrough, that the thief is trying to come behind you and put his hand on it. But I've come to declare to the kingdom of the enemy, you will not have any ground that's been allotted to the people of Judah Tabernacle today. So, here's what happened. Everybody was, was, isn't it funny? Everybody's got your back until the battle starts. Hallelujah. Either say amen or you're preaching right. Hallelujah. Because what happened? You see, in 1 Chronicles chapter 11, in 2 Samuel chapter 23, he was with David. It was a parcel full of barley. And they stood before the Philistines and what happened to all the people? They fled. See ya. Wouldn't want to be it. My name's Bennett and I'm not in it. Come on. Here's the thing. People are ready to rejoice with you. But it's true brothers and sisters of Christ that'll stand with you when you feel like you're falling. Amen. Because it's easy to come alongside at the end of it and say, woo, glory to God. But it's another thing to stand with a brother or sister when the darts are flying over your head. King David was there. They were coming against him. He had an army behind him. And he looked back and everybody was gone. Been but there stood one man by the name of Eleazar. I'm wanting, to, I'm wanting to know if there's any Eleazars at Judah this morning. That says, I'm here even though the battle's hot. I'm here even though it's getting rough. I'm here even though the storm is raging. I'm here even though we're surrounded and it feels like there's more against us than for us. Rest assured, I was here in the beginning. I'm going to be here in the middle of the battle because when God gives us the victory, we're going to shout and rejoice together. And the Bible said that Eleazar, hang with me, I won't keep you long, that Eleazar set himself in the midst of that partial with his sword. This is Matthew Leslie's commentary. Matthew Henley, Matthew Leslie's commentary. He probably looked at David, they, they probably looked back and said, Where is everybody? And there was Eleazar. I got you. I got your back. I got you. We're going to make that. We're going to make it through this. We're going to get over this. Victory's coming to us in the midst of this battle. Because I've got you. Everybody else is gone. But, King. I'm right here. Is there anybody that's here? Look at somebody and say, I got your back. I got your back. I don't know who's saying it. I think it was the Pointer Sisters, I think. Amen. We are family. I got all my brothers and sisters. I know you're not supposed to sing those kind of songs in church. Amen. But let's put it in the spiritual context. We're family. I said, We're family. And the last time where I come from, family sticks together. Family sticks together in the good times, and family sticks together in the bad times. 
Family sticks together when it's joyful, but family also sticks together and hold each other when there's hurting and there's pain. I've come to tell somebody, you're not standing in the midst of your partial by yourself, but there's a family of God that are, oh yeah, there's a family of God that is standing that when you're going through the battle, I'm going to be an Eleazar that stands behind you. And when I'm going through the battle, you're going to be my Eleazar that stands behind me. Look at somebody and just pat them real nicely and say, I've got your back. I've got your back. Because the devil's sneaky. Hear me. The devil is sneaky. And if we ain't got our each other's back, he's going to stab us right in the back. But when you got a brother and sister in the Lord that says, I'm praying. I got your back. When the devil tries to make a sneak attack, when the, amen, the enemy comes in like a flood, the spirit of the Lord will raise a standard against him. Let somebody say, I'm glad you got my back. Eleazar had a sword. And then draw your sword there, Eleazar. And he was fighting. Uh -huh. He was fighting with. The Bible said that they fled. Do you know what the word fled means? They vanished away. Uh -huh. Everyone was gone when they saw the enemy come. When they saw the Philistines approach, everybody was like, whoop, gotta go. Hit me up on Facebook. Got to go. Send me an instant message. Got to go. Mm -hmm. See, we must be warriors. Can I say something and not sound? Help me. Amen. You got to know that I'm saying this in the right attitude. Can I just say something and, and nobody get offended? It's time for us to quit being wimps and start being warriors. Amen. Amen. And I'm not pointing fingers because I'm pointing at myself. Because there's been moments in my life, even here recent, where I was a wimp and yellow belly and I felt like running and hiding. Amen. I felt like just, amen, so consumed by, by what I see coming against me and coming against the church. that I'm like, oh, got to go. But I realized God didn't call me to be a wimp. God didn't call you to be a wimp. He called you to be a warrior. He's equipped us with everything that we need. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal. But they are mighty through God to the pulling down of stronghold. Be strong. Amen. And, and of good courage. He told Joshua. Amen. Be strong in the Lord. Ephesians 6 and the power of his might. Put on the whole armor of God. For we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, powers, rulers of darkness of this world, spiritual wickedness in high places. Therefore, amen, gird your loins about with truth. Put on the breastplate of righteousness. Shod your feet with the preparation of the gospel of peace. Put on the helmet of salvation. And above all, take up the shield of faith whereby you can quench the fiery parts of the wicked. I'm looking at somebody that said when I got up this morning the enemy heard my armor rattle. When I got up this morning I put my, listen I can just see it. You're going to think I'm crazy. But have you ever seen amen, some of those movies when those warriors get ready and they just put paint underneath their eyes and they just got, amen they put warrior, I see somebody in the spirit. You woke up this morning, you put your armor on, you put your warrior amen, paint on, and you said devil, I'm on my way you've had me packed in a corner, you've had me packed in a partial, but I'm here to tell you I'm on my way, I'm going you're not going to have it, you're not going to put your hands on it, you're not going to reap it, because it don't belong to you and the devil says, well you're not big enough I'm not big enough, but my God he is. Amen. Well, there's only one of you. That's where you're wrong. Because I've walked into this sanctuary. And there's a hundred plus brothers and sisters who are gathered in this sanctuary with me this morning. That says we're leading here the head and not the tail. 
looking for some warriors in the house today. The Bible says in verse 14 that they set themselves in the midst of that partial. you got to put yourself in the right position. There you go. Yeah. Here's what happened. He arose. Eleazar. And he began to smite or smoke the Philistines. According to scripture, he smote the Philistines until his hand was weary. And according to the King James, his hand clave unto his sword, and the Lord wrought a great victory. Mm -hmm. let, me, let, let, me, let me read it in the complete Jewish Bible. Amen. Start wielding that sword there, Eleazar. The Bible said he stood firm and attacked the Philistines until his hand went into spasms. Anybody ever have a muscle spasm? Yeah. I've said this before. Anybody ever had Charlie the horse visit you? Yeah. Uh-huh. Muscle spasms hurt. Last week, amen. I said, Lord, I'm getting old. Pray for me. Last week, I stretched. Last week in the morning, I think it was Tuesday, I stretched. I went, oh! Trish said, what's wrong, what's wrong, what's wrong? My neck went into spasms. I thought, Lord, I, I sound like Rice Krispie treats. Getting up, crack, snap, crack, one pop. It's the truth. That my, you know what? When you have a muscle spasm, anybody have a real good one? Yeah. The effects of it last all day. Yes, it does. All day that day, I couldn't hardly move my neck. It was hurting down my left arm. I'm going, I'm a mess. And my neck kept, I kept feeling the effects of that spasm. See, sometimes God never promised that it would be easy. He never promised that the weapon would not be formed. He never promised, amen, that the weapon would not touch you. He never promised that you would never face difficulty. He never promised that you would never face tragedy. He never promised that you would never face sickness. He never promised that you would never face pain. But he did promise that it would not prosper. Sometimes when we fight, amen, we go into spasms and it affects us for a long time. Some spasms are not easily getting over. And sometimes in life we face things and we keep on fighting and it causes us pain and it causes us difficulty and it doesn't quickly go away but it lingers and it hurts. Amen. And when, listen, when you have a good, amen, when you have Charlie the horse visit and you have a good one and you get up, amen, and you walk during the day and you just, amen, make that one move, it reminds you of that muscle cramp in the back of your calf. And sometimes we go through things and it reminds us of some of our losses and difficulties, but can I tell you, you're not facing it by yourself, but you've got a Savior who went all the way to the cross so that he could give you peace and rest assured, Eleazar, you've got brothers and sisters that are standing with you to help you in the midst of your difficulty. Look at somebody say, you got to push through the pain. The Bible said, his hand went into spasms so he could not let go of his sword. The Bible said his hand was weary. It was exhausted until it claved. The word clave in Hebrew means to impinge, to cling, to adhere. It means to join together. In layman's terms, he fought so hard that the sword in his hand became one. To where his hand was adhered to, almost like glued to, the sword. So here's the thing. Eleazar got to a point of battle that even if he wanted to let go, physically he could not. What is the sword? The Word. The Word. The Word of the Lord is sharper, quicker than any two-edged sword. Hebrews 4 and 12. The sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. Ephesians chapter 6. The Word. I'm wondering if anybody's ever got to the point where you battled enough that the Word became you and you became the Word. Let me give you my, my concept. I'm not identified by my battle. 
I'm identified by the word that's over my life. Which means if the word becomes a part of who I am, it doesn't matter what anybody says. It doesn't matter what I face. It cannot be voided. It cannot be erased. It cannot be taken from me. But it will remain eternal. Can somebody give him praise for it? So I've come to tell somebody that feels like in the midst of your battle that you're weary and you feel like dropping the sword. Don't. Because you can't even if you want to. I can't drop the sword because my children need it. I, I can't drop the sword because my wife needs it. I can't drop the sword because my husband needs it. I, could you imagine him saying, Whew, I'm over this. I had it up to here with this. Enough is enough. What if he would look and say, Dad, King, boy, everybody else is gone. I'm all you got. And I just can't do it anymore. Let me go. I'm just going to lay the sword down. Wait a minute. It's not coming out of my hand. I'm looking for somebody that's holding on to the word that God gave you so much that you can't let it go. That you're holding on to that promise of healing to where you can't let it go. That you're holding on to that promise of deliverance and that you can't let it go. That you're holding on to that promise of breakthrough and you can't let it go. Judah, we're holding on to the promise that he's going to provide the finances and we can't let it go. Even if we wanted to. We can't drop it. Here, 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 here is the mystery to me. The Bible said that he fought till his hand Went into spasms until his hand clave to the sword. He couldn't let it go. And the Bible said they wrought a great victory. And according to the scripture, guess what happened? Sister Kelly, when they wrought that great victory, all of those people that didn't want to stand with them, they're in difficulty. Here they come. Come on. To reap the spoil. I'm looking for somebody that knows what it's like to fight. When you know what it's like to fight, you understand the reward so much better. Here I go again. Help me. Not to be ugly. But when I'm fighting and you're fighting, I don't need anybody on my corner that knows what it's like to run in the midst of the battle. But I need somebody that knows what it's like to fight until your hand hurts. That knows how to fight and pray until you can't say another word. And cry until you don't have any more water in your eyes. And to believe on God when you don't even see a way out. And to keep on holding on when you feel like giving up. And to keep on standing when you feel like backing up. And to keep on moving when you feel like a man falling over. And the darts are flying over your head. And discouragement is knocking at your door. And tragedies right around the corner. But you said it was good for me to stand on God's word because he brought me through. When I'm in the midst of my battle, I don't want any amen wit to lay their hands on me. But in the midst of my battle and in the midst of yours, give me a warrior that'll come along my side and say God is for us. And if he is for us, who can be against us? Give me a seasoned warrior that knows what it's like to fight, but they know how to get out. Give me a seasoned warrior that whenever things falling apart and they don't have it all together, that they know what it's like to be held in the hand of God. Here's a revelation. We don't have it all together. <laughs> I told somebody the other day, I said, we all have dysfunction in our families. She's probably going to get me. She's probably going to get me after this. Lord, help me. She's looking at me shaking her head. You're going to laugh. 19 years ago, Patricia married me. She thought she was married. She said, I thought I was marrying into the Waltons. 
She said, I she said, and then I realized it was more like the Adams family. What are you trying to say? I'm trying to say every family is dysfunctional. I don't care who you are. Every, 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 we all got coconuts in our family tree. Amen? It's the truth. Sometimes I'm a little dysfunctional in my family tree. But moving on, one thing about that, I said that to say this, we all don't have it together. I don't care, and I'm not going to meddle, but I don't care how great they think they, they portray it on social media, how wonderful life is. In the midst of all of them wonderful moments are some bad ones. And some difficulty. Marriage is bliss. Marriage is bliss, but sometimes marriage has what I like to call intense fellowship. Absolutely. Intense fellowship. And it don't become so blissful. But what you realize is love conquers it all. And sometimes as a family of God, we're dysfunctional. Sometimes as a family of God, we have intense fellowship. Come on. But one thing, listen, what I've learned about family, no matter how dysfunctional they are, no matter how crazy they are, one thing, where the rubber meets the road, family's got each other's back. Because blood's thicker than water. What I'm trying to tell somebody is, where the rubber meets the road in this house of worship this morning, family's got each other's back. Amen? Hallelujah. You've got me and I've got you. And here's the great thing. We both got the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob that is on our side. Hallelujah. We may be messed up a lot of times. We may be dysfunctional a lot of times. But rest assured, we're going to make it. I said, rest assured, we're going to make it at the end. Guess what? Whether he calls us home by the rapture or by the grave, we're going to hold each other's hand. We're going to walk in the pearly gates. We're going to hear him say, well done, thou good and faithful servant. If I need to help push you along, I'm going to. If you see me slacking, you better push me. Because I'm going to make it. But I've come this morning to tell you to tell you with my whole heart. I mean, I can be comical and crazy, but to tell you with my whole heart, don't let go. Don't let go. Don't let go of your promise. Don't let go of what the Lord said He's going to do. I know you're discouraged. I know you're weary. I know it's crazy. I know things seem chaotic and dysfunctional. But don't let go. And when you feel like you're letting go, I'm going to come beside you. Listen, if I've got to and your hand and your arm gets weary and I see your sword falling, I'm going to come underneath your hand and I'm going to help you hold your sword and your word. And if we got to wield this sword together, we're going to wield it together because at the very end, when heaven opens up and God pours you out a blessing, I'm going to be right there to rejoice with you. Hey! And when heaven... I'm here to tell you when God starts pouring it out, we're going to reap the benefits together. I said when God starts pouring it out, we're going to reap the benefits together. So before we go into this season of camp meeting, don't let go. Because I'm just crazy enough to believe that God's going to meet us in that tabernacle. to believe that you that are waiting on your lost spouse that they're going to walk underneath that tabernacle and get radically delivered I'm believing those that are waiting on your children that you're going to walk under the tabernacle and they're going to be delivered those that are waiting on a healing you're going to get underneath that tent and the healing somebody say well that's over a month to wait You've waited this long. Yeah, right. See, I, 
I'm radical enough to believe, Sister Lori, that you're going to walk underneath that tent. You're going to run. Yeah, see? She's not about to let go of that sword. Guess what? She takes off running. You might as well clear some of them wooden chairs because I'm going to run with you. That's a promise and that's a threat. You run, I'm going to run. Hey, because I know what it's like to be in the battle with her, but I'm ready to see the victory. Stand to your feet in this house today. Thank you, Eleazar. As they come to the music, praise God. Somebody say, don't let go. Don't let go. Oops. Don't let go. For you that was paying attention, that's a visual aid. It's not a time to drop the sword. But it's time to hold on to it. We're that close. I know it's cliche. I know we say it all the time. I know it gives us good vibes and good feelings and Holy Ghost do that. But I'm telling you with an assurity, we are that close to a breakthrough. I didn't get to finish all of the story that I started with, but I'm going to finish it at the end of this message. Sister Louise Castro, the Lord spoke to me and he said, Jesus, he said, my son is coming back. I said, I know that, Lord. That was a few years ago. I was in my late 30s then. I said, God, I've heard that for over 30 years that Jesus was coming back. I know it's close. He said, no. He said it again to me in prayer. My prayer calls and he said, no, Jesus is coming. Sister Jane Stevens, I said, I know. Help me to be ready. He said, no, you don't understand. I'm a God that cannot lie. Which means, Matt, the promises that I spoke to you, I have to fulfill them before you're raptured out of here. Anybody else believe that? He said, and if my son is coming that quickly, that means I don't have a whole lot more time to bring it to pass. That was about three years ago. I'm three years closer to my promise and breakthrough. I'm three years closer to my promise and breakthrough. Isn't it something that at the moment where you're about to go through, you have the breaking? I remember not too long ago, Pastor Jeff preached a message and it resonated in my spirit. You can't have the through until you get the breaking. There are people under the sound of my voice. I know it. I know you. I know you are. I know you are. I can feel it. You're at the breaking right now. Hold on to your sword. Don't let go.
that it would just satisfy you and it would be mediocre and average but because you hung on to the sword one day you received a call <laughs> and now I'm just going to paraphrase what she said now she's working her dream job because she held on to the sword Amen. Amen. We got one. Is there anybody 